Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Noah Edelman, founder and president of GameTrace, the industry leader in custom board game inserts. Their inserts are featured in popular games such as The Grim Forest, Parks, Wingspan, Vindication, My Little Scythe, and many, many more. Noah, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you coming on here. I know you're very, very busy. There are tons of games that have uh, that have the game trace system. So I don't know how you keep up, but uh, I'm sure you're uh, you're a busy guy. Um, sure. So I just thought we'd get started and really just give us the history of how game trace started. So I, I think just from your social media, which is quite strong, a lot of people have seen game trays kind of show up in games. Uh, here and there, a lot of Kickstarters and so forth. Um, but as I was digging back, I really couldn't find the the genesis of how this all started. So I thought you could maybe yeah. start us with kind of what's your background? Like, where did, where did this whole thing start? So I'm an engineer by study. So went to University of Missouri and an electrical engineer, computer engineer, started an internet business right out of college, did that for 10 years, always loved board games. So uh board games were great. Uh, this was like during, uh, <laughs> this is during, you know, Twilight Imperium, where we played that every week, and there's so many pieces, and there's just baggies, and baggies, and baggies. It's got to be a better way, right? And yeah. some of the, some of the games at the time had uh, inserts, but they were always like, last minute decisions, it seemed like, and they didn't fit everything correctly, and didn't help anything in the gameplay. So like, yeah, one day I'll figure out a way to make a better Plano box, right? So the uh, the Plano box was kind of what we used back then. It's tackle box for fishing tackle. Let's figure out a way to put it in there. and uh, It'll fit great, well, good enough, but the, the lid will come up a little bit, And but it's better than a thousand baggies. So <laughs> that was 10 years after college. And then uh, during my stint at or making my uh, business in, in internet, I did a, we had a client miniature market, which was uh, an online retailer here in St. Louis, which is where I live. Mm. And we were doing their marketing. And uh, once 2008 hit, there was a little bit of a slump, as everyone knows. Yep. And uh, I decided to go full time miniature market uh, to do their marketing. So I was in head. I was in charge of their, all their marketing, online marketing, uh, for a year, and basically ramped them up towards uh, the success that they see today. So after I did that, then I worked for a thermoforming company. So that is the process of making trays, thermoforming, which is vacuum forming. Um, so I took the love of games the industry knowledge that I learned at Miniature Market, and then the uh, year of working at a thermoforming company designing packaging, which is really the most, most of the time is what vacuum forming is used for. And luckily enough, the owner of that company let me um, use all of his equipment after hours. Wow. And that's when uh, I started thinking of, okay, let's make a tray for at the time, the hottest game of 
at the time was uh, Terra Mystica. Yep. And Terra Mystica has a uh, thing called favors in the game. And there's basically a 12 or 12 separate favors that you have to just lay out on the table every time you play the game. So three by four grid, stack them up. So either you put each individual stack in a bag and then set them out, or you put them all in one bag. And then when you start the game, you have to sort them and put them at the put them on the table, however you want, in the order so that when you're playing the game, you can look at all of them, choose them, and play the game. So the first tray was a favor tray, I called it. And it was basically just having all those favors in the right order, in the right stacks, with a lid. So whenever you played it, you put the, pull the tray out, took the lid off, and now all your favors are ready to go, uh, which saved you know, five, six minutes of time but made the game that much more playable because you didn't have to worry about doing that one small aspect of setting up the game so was it more of a personal like so when you made this um was the first version you made more for self-use or was it right away look i got an idea here maybe i can create something i can sell yeah well the the process of thermoforming and making trays from what I learned working at the thermoforming company uh, basically taught me that it's not something that's quick to market. So it's not like a wood insert where you can have an idea and just have a laser cutter, laser it out and see if it fits. If it doesn't fit, okay, throw that wood away. Um, let's try adding a couple more millimeters to this side and now it fits great. But with thermoforming, you have to make an actual mold that is uh, just like making a mold for a miniature. So those, as most people know, are expensive. <laughs> and if you don't do them yourself, it's not cost effective to try and try and try for something that's just an accessory, which is why at the time, having that access to the equipment uh, and the knowledge was, you know, key to making the business start. And the Terra Mystica, and then Euphoria, and then Brewcrafters and Eclipse at the time. Those were all the, one, the hot games at the time. And uh, my relationships with uh, Jamie uh, Stonemeyer, or Segmeyer, uh, who lives in St. Louis, also mm. kind of saw the opportunity that game yeah and then so after that i got my own equipment in the garage and then did everything myself in the garage made the molds made the trays shipped them out um that was the start of the trays wow and when you first did that like there would be uh obviously you have to cover off the cost of that mold so when you're doing the math on the kind of that first entrance in like how many of these did you figure you were going to have to make just to, to break even? I didn't think of that really uh, because it's, it's a cheap process once you have the mold. Yeah. So if you do the mold yourself, which it requires a fairly expensive piece of machinery. And being an engineer. And knowing, exactly, <laughs> knowing how to use it and making the mold, uh, that's why molds are expensive because they're hard to make. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you can do that, 
you can take out that cost. And that's the only way I was able to start the business. Uh, a mold for a tray, let's say. Um, what was the tray you brought up earlier? That well, was, here's a, even a tray right here. I'll uh, little yeah, plug exactly. there for uh, Mike Bruner, our, uh, our um, producer. He, uh, he did the Queen Bee game, which I just recently got my mm -hmm. copy this week. And of course, it was uh, a little Game Trays logo on it there. Exactly. So those are yeah. two separate molds for that one tray. Yep. Um, and those molds, for instance, if you were just to have one of each, the lids and the base, right? Yeah. Uh, which is not normally how you do it. But those molds separately would probably be a couple grand each. But normally you make a mold that has five or six of the same mold on it. Yep. So then when you make, when you do a vacuum form, one shot, we call it a shot. Um, you make nine of them, for instance, or 12. Right. So when they come off, they're going down the line, they get cut out. So now you're making 12 at a time, which obviously makes things go faster and cheaper. So the mold for that one tray was probably, a, would, would have cost eight, $10,000 if you had it made in the US, mm -hmm. uh, at an actual tool maker that specializes in that. And it's not that it's not worth it. It's just that it's a very hard thing to do. And yeah. if you don't know how to do it, which many people don't, and you have to have specialized equipment, then that's where things start to get out of control. So if I wanted to do an aftermarket tray designing company, I would have to do that myself. And otherwise it would not have made sense. And then as you've kind of moved along and this has evolved where uh, you've got, I guess what we call the aftermarket uh, version of the trays or the X trays, mm -hmm. I guess, um, which uh, people can use to organize their own, uh, their own games or, you know, take uh, uh, acquire would be a good example of this. I've got the game acquire. It drives me bananas. Every time I play it, I love the game. I open up the box and it's like, did they hate me? Is that why they, that the box looks like this? Because it is a disaster, right? So having some kind of organizing tray would be great. Um, what percentage of the business would you say now has gotten to be aftermarket versus included in uh, games from uh, when they're first manufactured? Right. So there was a definite shift. So once uh, I started selling a lot of those aftermarket trays for the hot games at the time and making them myself and shipping them out, um, then I started going to Gen Con and had a little small corner of someone else's booth that they uh, let me borrow and I had my little trays there and someone walked up and said, Hey, uh, are you, I like these trays. They look cool. Do you want to, you've ever thought about doing a design for the game right off the bat? I'm like, sure. Why not? Sounds great. That's what I'm doing already. And you want to have a meeting. So next morning we come, uh, we have a meeting at uh, the hotel lobby. And he's like, and here's an NDA. <laughs> okay, why? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he's like, okay, hi, we're with Riot Games. We do the video game League of Legends. And I'm like, wow, what's that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that, that League of Legends existed at the time. I, I was a World of Warcraft guy, but I never, because after World of Warcraft, then straight to, to board games. Yeah. I didn't know that League of Legends grew so big. And uh, he's like, here's the game. And I was told my buddy afterwards, and he's like, what do you mean League of Legends? Like, League of Legends from Riot? You, you know, that's the highest grossing video game in the world right now. I'm like, 
No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so that it turned into mechs versus minions tray, um, which took about a year, uh, not only just for me, but a year of tray design and their own game design. But uh, that kind of started my career in designing four games out of the four games, yeah. And, and then that kind of, yeah. then the retail went down and the custom went up. <laughs> so is it like a 50-50 split now or like 80% uh, initial into the game and 20% aftermarket or how's that split work for you? Yeah, so right now it's definitely a lower percentage on the retail. Yeah. But now that we've made a base of custom stuff, uh, we're starting to add more back in the retail stuff, uh, the aftermarket things. So coming up with trays that help uh, games specifically or generally that like the x-trays uh, but we're trying to push that more actually yeah. so or it's just hard to find we, we did a couple over the last few years of uh, the terraforming mars obviously it was a perfect storm of great game everyone has it but really bad components yeah so uh we made a tray that was a, basically a replacement for the player mat and you know that was a great success and then small world which has a lot of copies out there and everyone loves we made a tray that helps the gameplay set up really quick for that another 15 20 minutes of time saving so you're going to play small world way longer or way more often if it's not going to take a half hour to set up or find all the pieces is there any is there any systems that you've done uh, for a game just because the game is a mess and you, you knew that the game needed a system where you've done it aside from working with the actual company? And then how does that work? Did you have to work in like licensing or anything like that? Or how did that, how does that work? Yeah, pretty much all of our retail stuff or aftermarket uh, products are games that we liked, Yeah, but also that we knew, well, two things, we liked the game, uh, there's a lot of copies out there. There's a lot of people playing it. Um, and it really would benefit greatly by having something set up quickly or to change the dynamic of how you set it up, put it away or in play game or you know, how organized the table was when you're playing it. Anything that would greatly uh, reduce mm -hmm. the, you know, the hurdle of wanting to play that game that night yeah so those, those are hard hard hurdles to uh to overcome but as you can see on the website there's a few yeah. and we also have a few uh that are games that we've worked on custom for the publisher but also there's previously copies of the of the game that people might want the trays that already own the game or that only bought the retail version that doesn't come with the deluxe trays there's a lot of different ways they work with with publishers. Is there ever been a publisher say, "Hey, wait a second, uh, you know, you went and made an organization system for our game, and uh, you know, we we want to be part of that"? Or like those discussions ever happened at all? Or is no. has it usually been pretty cordial? There hasn't there hasn't been many retail or I keep saying retail, but it's like uh, publishers or whatever. Yeah, the the, the aftermarket world we're not as in we're not as deep in the aftermarket world as a lot of the wood uh, insert people are so um you know there hasn't been that many 
Mm-hmm. And we have asked, we have asked for permission, and no one had any problem. Uh, we're not putting, you know, sponsored by Terraforming Mars, or yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, you. you know, it's just our, it's just, you know, an accessory like an iPhone case. But it's only on a small handful of games. But you know, we haven't reached out. It's like I said, it's harder to get those products to market. Yeah, which is why the custom side has grown over the last three years. Um, but now we have more time to like work with that and figure out, okay, what games are good? What games are people playing? What games really need something? Um, and then come up with it because we can't just say, here's a design, let's test it out and print it and see if it's good and then reprint it. Because if you make a mold, so, so here's an example, here's a mold for the X tray. Yep. So for people is, listening, it's like a reverse of an actual tray. Yep. This is the mold that makes you know, this tray. Right. So in separate pieces normally. So I have the lid would snap on here. Base. So, so it doesn't. Go ahead. So this is a, because it's an audio podcast as well, mm-hmm. uh, just for listeners who are maybe not sure. watching, he's holding up a mold. It has both the base and the lid that clip onto the same mold. Um, right. Is that kind of how that works? Exactly. So yeah. it, it doesn't clip on, but it's formed on this mold. So it's right. like uh, normally if for the people who don't know what the, how thermoforming works, it, it's not an injection molding where uh, the plastic is melted and then, right. Pressure, pressurely pressured into the mold. Um, it's a, just a sheet of plastic in the correct thickness and correct color already. And it's just warmed up to mm-hmm. a flexible state. Uh, and then uh, this is the mold. If this was the mold, the sheet would be here and then the mold would come up and the vacuum would turn on and it would suck the plastic down to the mold, thus creating this tray on here, which is basically just the plastic vacuum formed to the mold. Um, and this is already trimmed, but uh, normally it would be, you know, in a sheet already, or it would be in a full sure. sheet and you'd have to trim it and cut it just like a cardboard is, is made. So how many projects are you working on right now? Like it's, it's obviously a lot of work to, to create these, but given the number of trays I've seen out there on different games at any given time, how many projects are you guys working on concurrently? Uh, uh, custom projects, uh, 40. Wow. Uh, different states, just because we have yeah. uh, so many uh, different states that people want to work with us and that we can work with them. Yep. So pre-campaign, is it a retail project, direct to retail? Is it a Kickstarter campaign? Have they already finished the Kickstarter campaign and they found out about us afterwards? Phil, what are you doing? Oh, Phil, come here. Hold on one second, guys. I'm sorry. So those are listening to the audio podcast. We had a dog in the background. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> she was sleeping on my lap the whole time. Maybe you didn't even see her. And then she's like, I want to go. Uh, yeah, so the so different version, different, uh, different uh, times that yeah. we work with, with them. So uh, if you are a, a publisher, a new publisher that has never made a game and you saw us, and your campaign was going to be in six months, we can help you there. If the campaign is in a week and you finally found out about us and you want trays, we could work with you then. Or uh, like with Grim Forest with James yeah. Hudson, it was a 
four months after the campaign ended and he was about to go to print and the production company at the time sent him a tray yeah he was like what the heck is this this is not gonna work then he called me and let's just delay the whole production for this kind of thing so and it worked out well i mean even in the lobby here we've got several people just saying how impressed they were with you got allison you got mike you got others saying how impressed they were even with that when they open up the box and it's like a wow factor right with those organization trays right Um, and that wasn't after the after the campaign type so so as as you've evolved you've um now you're no longer actually making the physical trays yourself now right you guys have kind of evolved more the design side and then how does that work how does that coordination now work where you're doing the design, but someone else is doing the manufacturing. And then how do we get that into the game? And how does all that work now? So uh, on the custom side, where we work with publishers directly, we also work as a third, basically like a third party to the publisher and the production company. So we know how the production side works and the publishing side works. So it's, uh, we take the publisher's ideas and our ideas on how we can make something great for the game and then once we'd have that we can translate it into the engineering terms that the production company can use so we've worked with over 20 different production companies and some more than others in the in the board gaming industry so we've trained basically all these production companies how to make the trades that we design really well and up to our standards is there certain ones you'll use or like, so for instance, I mean, I did a game, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, most of these Chinese manufacturers that I've seen are, are more kind of project managers, right? So they're sure. pulling in pieces from different factories in the area. Um, so in this case, um, how do you, how do you organize that communication so that you're pulling the, uh, you know, for that piece, the thermal form pieces that are coming in uh, into that game that's being assembled, do you get in direct contact with the the thermal formers, or is it more the the project management company that, that you're talking with, or how does that how does that play out? Yeah, so the the two, like you said, they are a lot of times uh, outsourced mm-hmm. from the project managers in China, a lot of the different companies that we work with. So. That is actually good for us in a way because uh, they are good at what they do and they know how to thermoform and they know how to make tools. So if we can deliver a mold that is properly designed for tooling and for the thermoforming process, China has been very good at those taking the file and making it correctly, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So if you send a file that's says, hey, make this, the yep. tooling company in China, uh, most of the time can make this perfectly because this is what we wanted, right? Yeah. And if it's not just like a miniature, right? If you say, I want the miniature to be like this and it's the sword is like, you know, bent like this, right. you're not gonna talk to that tooling company and that's a tooling issue. Uh, so tooling companies in general are very specialized and can make tools if they have the file that can that is designed to be tooled correctly with the machines that they have. And then that tool is designed to then uh, utilize correctly the process that uh, that whatever you're doing is is doing, whether it's 
injection molding or thermoforming, yeah. which is two different ways to design. Uh, so there hasn't been, th there is some learning to, to teach or to teach people mm -hmm. all the different production companies. But once, once or twice, they start to understand and know our standards and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, to, been, it's, it's a challenge. So <laughs> we don't actually, we don't have a, any contracts with any production companies specifically. Yeah. So we, we tell publishers that we're working for you and you choose your pr production company, but here are some production companies we know will, will work well for you, got uh, it. that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm curious. So I've got holding up here for people just listening. We can't see is uh, from the queen V game again. I know I'm just excited because I got it this week. Yep. Um, we got this little mini. And then, so how does that process work? Do you get the 3d models and you base your mold off the 3d models or do you have yes. to get all the minis first and then you can kind of work it out or how does that, how does that come together? Yeah. So when we design a tray that holds minis, most of the time we don't have the actual minis right. and we don't, really we don't really need them to start the design of the process uh but the process to make the, the the cavity we call it yep to hold the tray to hold the mini um, but we need the final production version you know like this just to basically measure to see yeah. if what they sent us is what we actually got um but it's harder. We don't have to like scan this in basically. So we just take the model right. that they're making it from and then import it into our software, build the cavity around it and know that this is going to work. And that normally doesn't have an issue unless something really drastically changes on the mold that, that or the mold of the mini mm -hmm. that we didn't know about, which happens, but we know about how minis uh, are formed and have a certain percentage of shrinkage based yeah. on, uh, in different directions, based on the plastic they're using. So we know that if this is the final, if this is the mold, it's gonna be, you know, 3% uh, skinnier this way and 2% yeah. skinnier this way. And we, we figure that into how we build the cavity. Around. Have you ever run into a case where things didn't fit afterwards? So everything theoretically should have worked out, but then when you get the actual pieces, is something changed in the process that somebody didn't tell you or, something happens where it didn't fit. And in that case, what did you guys do? Yes. Most of, most of the time it's all because we didn't, they changed something that we didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, and the minis aren't as big of an offender as the cardboard actually. Yeah, so cardboard it itself. Yeah. So cardboard uh, in general is the GSM, I think is the word that they use, right. which isn't an actual measurement. Uh, it's of mm -hmm. distance. It's a density measurement. Yeah. So you, a two millimeter cardboard, maybe 2.1 millimeters. It may be yeah. 1.6 millimeters. It may be 2.4 millimeters. It all depends on uh, the humidity and how it swells too, right? Like it can exactly. swell. Yeah. The humidity can swell it or the dryness can shrink it and it can still be the same GSM. So uh, we have, that's why with cardboard specifically, we make sure that we get a white sample of the actual cardboard they're going to use yep. right before they go to production. Mm -hmm. Because especially when you have a tray that is going to hold, let's say, 20 little tokens in a row, right? If that's two millimeters and we're expecting it to be two millimeters, we make a nice little channel for it. If it's great, 
if uh, it's dry, if the plastic or the cardboard that they use is overly dried, now it's 1.6. Now, when you take 20 of those chits in a row, 1.6 will bring the whole stack down yeah. by an inch, maybe. Yeah. or even worse, bigger. So if it's yeah. too humid, it doesn't fit 2.2. Now you can't fit those in. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of the inserts that come with the games, other than game trays, sometimes are just like a little too tight or a little too loose because they don't do that final check. And it's not their fault, really. It's just the tray is always the last thing you have to do. Yeah. Because you have to make sure that it's uh, everything is final. But also, that's the same time where everyone said, everyone's like, we're already late. Let's get it out to market, you know? So we have to wait to the end of the tray, but it's also at the time where maybe most people are late to yeah. delivery. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. So what's the next on the horizon for you guys? What are you working on? What's the, uh, is there any new innovations you can tease about? Like, I know you got the X trays, which is the aftermarket trays again, really, really cool. We showed them, uh, online while we were mm -hmm. talking here, but is there anything else you guys are working on? I know there was a drink trays you guys had at one point too, I think, right? So spilly yeah. willies like myself, uh, you got something to hold the drink from uh, going all over somebody's game. Is What else are you guys working on? Yeah, drink trays are, are going to be coming <laughs> to market for sure. They're great. Uh, they're two different sizes, one for a bottle or a Red Bull can and one for a regular can or yeah. a pint glass. Uh, those are cool. And uh, we're going to expand the X-Trays line. So not only are we going to have different colors and different uh, configurations of three and two or different ways, it's going to be ones that are bigger, they can hold cards. Uh, so we're looking into that and definitely expanding all the new games that are hot to make it them better, kind of like what we would have started with four years, five years ago well, <laughs> before awesome. all the custom stuff. For anybody out there that says, why would you need a drink trays? Let me tell you firsthand, I was at a game night uh, about uh, six months ago, six, eight months ago, it was before COVID. And uh, one of the players had come to this uh, this meetup group and brought this brand new game, like literally took the, the the shrink wrap off it at the table, set it up, got everything set up, said, hey, you want to play? I said, absolutely, just let me get my drink. When I got my full pint of beer, sat down sure. at the table. As I'm sitting down, I hit the beer and the beer went like just drenched this person's new brand spanking new game. Uh, I ended up yep. buying him a new game because I felt so bad, but it happens all the time. So uh, it's cool. Two to see seconds. Something like it's that. right here. It's right here. So this is basically just a pop can and there's a Red Bull can that he's got. And uh, there is a uh, thermal form little thing. It just looks like a little mountain, but uh, it it's cool. It uh, certainly will stabilize that drink, keep it from uh, popping over and yep. uh, keep you all stabilized. So if people want to um, uh, find your games, how, how your, your trays, how do they find your trays? If somebody wants to go and buy one of these aftermarket trays. GameTrays.com. GameTrays.com. That's GameTrays with a Z. Or exactly. Z, or Z, mm -hmm. depending on which country you're in. In addition, you can also buy all of our aftermarket products on Board Game Geek's web store. Yeah, that's I saw that as well. There's quite a robust selection there. And then if there's a developer or publisher out there who's got a game coming up, either in Kickstarter or just they want to go straight to retail and they want to include your designs in there, how best do they get in touch with you? Same thing, Board Game, or board game Geek, geez. GameTrace.com. There's, there's a link at the top for custom trays. Okay. Uh, there's a little form to fill out. 
In addition, there's another form for any retailers who want to carry our aftermarket trays yeah. in their store. That's awesome. Well, Noah, it has been a pleasure. This time goes by laser fast. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Hopefully we can get you back again uh, in the coming months when uh, there's another game coming out. And uh, man, I look forward to seeing these trays. They're awesome. Congratulations Thanks. again. Thanks All right. So much. You take care. Nice Cheers. With you. Ciao. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.